Welcome to the Journey of a Christian Dad podcast. I'm your host, Dan Lewis. Who is the spiritual leader of your family? Is it you, your pastor, your spouse, the media? Do you know? I did. And sadly, no one was taking responsibility to lead our family. Well, friends, someone needs to take that job, and that man is you. You may not feel qualified, and some days I don't. With the help of God and a community of dads helping each other on their journey, you can be the leader your family deserves. We welcome you to the Journey of the Christian Dad podcast. Want to homeschool, but worried about your child's socialization? Classical Conversations believes education is best experienced together. That's why Classical Conversations provides homeschool families with local communities for opportunities for socialization, support, and encouragement. In community, a trained licensed director guides both students and parents alike through a proven Christ-centered curriculum rooted in the classical model. To find a Classical Conversations community near you, visit classicalconversations.com slash dadjourney. And now, back to the show. All right, guys, welcome back to the show. We've got a great guest with us on today. It's actually his second time on the show. But before I introduce him, once again, for the second week in a row, we do not have a review of the week. I guess I kind of got one verbally this morning, but rather than... Re- replay that jay who is with us today is going to talk a little bit about uh whatever jay wants to talk about oh i got a review for you dan thanks uh thanks for having me on the show good to be here and uh yeah i want to talk about the ascent group and it's a group that uh, you invited me to back in 2022 uh from january through march so i was in with that group uh uh, about a dozen of us like-minded guys trying to make our way in in life, but we all have different goals and objectives. And uh, one, just putting words to your intentions and your goals and what you're trying to do, that's it's one of the key things for the ascent that I got to value out of you know, just putting pen to paper, articulating what you're trying to do. That was really good. That's a great start. You feel something different in your gut. And when you're around guys that are all in the same boat, um, you make a lot more progress faster. But I think the most valuable thing to me, I'll call it the accountability piece, because not only are you saying what you're going to do, but then you got to show up the next week and the week after uh, for that 12 week cycle, where in my mind, trying to compress one year into 12 weeks and do more uh, than you ever thought you could do before, which I did. And that was actually the genesis for this book. Uh, it really helped me put a shoulder behind this and say, I'm going to get this done. I've been working on it for six or seven years, but that accountability piece saying, yep, I'm going to get this done and uh, showing up with a plan and telling whether you did it or not made all the difference in the world to me. So the Ascent Group can't can't recommend it enough. Um, I'll be uh, I'll be in the group again next year. This year, I wasn't able to do it because <laughs> I was writing this book and uh, just got published. It's getting published uh, late June. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, thanks for the the really cool review testimonial type deal there. Uh, that group is a whole lot of fun. I love running it every year. Uh, you're now the first official commitment since we haven't asked anybody. There we go. <laughs> I'm in. So with that, uh, and yes, I agree with you, just simplifying, stating your intentions, getting getting after it, and having people around you holding you accountable to making progress on what you said you were going to do. So this year when the group came around, I said, hey, guys, Jay's not joining us. 
And the guys are like, what do you mean? Like, Jay's like the man. I'm like, remember that book? Like, yeah. I'm like, well, he's in the heat of it right now. And he's going to take all of his extra time and just pour into that book. And man, you went from where it was in January to finished. And the book is fantastic. So without further ado, let me introduce Jay Millar. So Jay is a great dad. He's built a great business career. And what he wanted to do, uh, he created a, 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 I'll say a company called My Virtual Dad and take all the stuff that he wished he would have got when he was a kid from his dad and then give it to other men. So a lot of guys out there think, man, I wish I would have had somebody to help me learn how to fill in the blank. And Jay didn't have that uh, growing up. So he's spent a ton of time learning and he's got some boys that are just great human beings, great boys, and they've grown into great men. And he's transferred a lot of this knowledge to them. And with that, he's like, you know, I got to put a book together. So man, Jay, your book, I love the title, Be a Hero in Your Home. What an awesome book title. Yeah. Thanks for having me, Dan. And yeah, I think what it was it about two years ago, I was on the show and I hadn't formulated the book, the, the name of the book title, as I mentioned, um, uh, working with the Ascent Group. Uh, that's where a lot of this started coming together. But my virtual dad, the, the beginning of that was not having a father speak into my life. Uh, I heard Lou Holtz say something that changed my life. And you and I have had this debate. It really wasn't Lou Holtz. He was borrowing from Charlie Tremendous Jones, right? Right, There's right. Three things. Yeah, well, Charlie had two things. Lou had three things. So it's only three things that will change you from where you're at today to where you'll be five years from now. And that's the books you read, the people you meet, and the dreams you dream. And I was in my early 20s when I heard that. And uh, Lou Holtz was the head coach of uh, Notre Dame. I went to the University of Colorado, and we were playing in the Orange Bowl back when I was in college. And I didn't like Notre Dame, but I did open up my heart and my ears to listen to Lou Holtz and that statement because it changed my life. And here's why. Since I didn't have a dad, I, but that opened my mind. I didn't use the word virtual dad back then. Virtual wasn't a term that we were using right now uh, like we are today. But I said, OK, I've got I've got uncles. I've got my 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 big brother, Dean, has just been, you know, a father like figure, protector, guider my whole life. Um you know, good bosses, um, neighbors, friends, you know, peers. But I just knew I had to intentionally go seek it. What 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 Lou did is he put me into action. Instead of thinking of, of you know, no father figure was going to fall on my lap, I knew I had to be a man of intention. And I had to go out there and I had to seek out these high quality relationships so that I could, in fact, change my life for the better. So seek out these high quality relationships. What does that look like? It's funny that you say that if I have a superpower and it's an odd superpower and I don't even know how to articulate it. One thing I've I've done, whether I'm sitting in a room, I did this in college, sitting in a classroom and in, in business meetings, sitting around the table in coffee shops, in men's groups. I sit around and I look around and I go, who do I like? Who do I want to be like? Who am I drawn to? Who carries themselves in a way and whose actions am I seeing that I, I want to emulate? And then it's pretty simple. I ask them if they can, we can go grab coffee. And, and maybe just talk about things. Maybe maybe I see somebody that seems to have it all together um, financially, right? Or they're 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 an astute business person. I'll go, hey, talk to me about how you started your business. How are you running your business? How do you how do you serve your clients, right? Whatever that may look like. Or if I see somebody that's a good dad, hey, what does it look like? I'm kind of struggling with some balance here, and I just I just go pick their brains 
Um, so that's one area of intention. And, and the other is just through good nutritional uh, things in books, right? There's, there's books, and I wanted to find books that had withstood the test of time. They, I think early on, I, I went to some trendy books, you know, that, uh, you know, maybe not had, had not proven out, maybe were a fad. But uh, I always wanted to find something that withstood the test in time and was good nutritional value for me so I could, I could get better in my life. What are some of those books that you've now read that stand out in your mind as ones that stood the test of time? Well, for, for me, I, I am, uh, I'm, on, I'm on your podcast, Dan. I'm a, I'm a faithful guy. The Bible, Bible is A number one for me. And the Bible is filled with wisdom, but there's other books that that glean lessons out of the the Bible and make it a little more applicable for my life. Um, my Bible is not King James Version, but sometimes it sounds like it in my head. And how do I put that into action? But I mean, you know, the easy ones are some of the financial things like like Dave Ramsey, you know, and, and finances. How can you build a solid financial career? And by the way, be a hero in your home. There's very little original ideas and concepts from from Jay. Uh, I'm borrowing. And what I've done is I've curated that list of intentionality of conversations and and books that I've read uh, in my life and and narrowing those down for for folks to digest. So Dave Ramsey, a faithful Christian, you know, he teaches you how to run your finances biblically. Um, it's things like that. There's uh, there's some on mental health um uh, cognitive uh, uh, therapy made easy, you know, things like that. I've got uh, one of the books that changed my life. was just, uh, it was a biography, it was a, it was a biography, um, an autobiography, Fisher DeBerry, former head coach of uh, Air Force Academy football. He was there for 20 years. Uh, he taught me how to prioritize my life. And, and Dan, you've been in companies where you have a mission statement, you have priorities yep. within a company and you try to galvanize many, many, many employees around an idea or a concept that everybody buys into. And I thought my family is like a company. I've got, uh, you know, when the boys were young, we had five individuals, right? Now we've got daughter-in-laws and things like that, but we galvanized around uh, a prioritization system, which was faith, family. And then for me, it was work. For the the boys, it was school. That was that was their third priority. And then from there, it was, you know, hobbies and, and some fun things. What that meant was it was really easy for us as a family to prioritize, you know, hey, if the schoolwork's not getting done, you don't get to go to hockey practice or ball practice. Right. It's easy. And and there was no question. It was really easy to parent my my boys because they knew and our five unit family all bought into it. This is who we are. This is what we stand for. This is what we're doing. So Fisher DeBerry's autobiography, uh, For God and Country, is the name of it. Uh, it's not a popular book, but I just it galvanized something in me to be able to take action and to be able to set a priority, uh, priority system for my, me and my family. Man, some of those college football coaches and college basketball coaches, I think John Wooden, I, those guys have got some, some systems that they put in place. Uh, one of the guys I used to know, Jimmy Kennedy, he was the number one draft pick for the NFL, and he went on to Penn State. I know Penn State's had a little bit of uh, uh, unflattering things that have happened there, allegedly or factually, whatever the case is. But he's like, uh, I'm like, why'd you go there? Like, you had all this, all these people offering everything. And he says, man, Joe Paterno sat in my living room and shook my hand and shook my dad's hand and looked right at me. 
and the stuff he was saying. And basically he said, he'd be my father figure at Penn state. He said every other division one school sent the, uh, you know, offensive coach, the defensive coach, but not the head coach. Is that Joe Posset in my living room? Like it was over. It was, and sure enough, you know, he was like a father figure to me there. And he told my dad, you know, I'll take care of him and, you know, lead him to good things. Yeah. That's awesome. And I, you know, one of the coaches that uh, I'll give a little tip of the hat to, um, I don't know him. I'd love to meet him. Buzz Williams. He's now the head uh, basketball coach at Texas A&M University. Um, he has a statement. And when he's recruiting guys, much like your Joe Paterno uh, discussion, he says to guys, hey, I don't want somebody that wants to be just an NBA player, right? I need somebody that's a that's a, that's a more you know, well-rounded individual and they, they, they want to be a great player, but they also want to be a great human being. And they, he goes, I want, he goes, my goal, this is Buzz Williams speaking. My goal is to be famous in my own home. And the way he says it is powerful. He goes, I want, you know, a wife to know, man, look at this man that I, I married. I'm so happy I did. He takes good care of me. He provides me. He loves me. He protects me. He's good to me. He goes, I want my boys to look at my dad, look at me as their dad and say, look at the career and the life that my dad has. He's connected. He's got great relationships. He's got a successful career. I want to be like my dad and my daughter. He goes, I want her to look at me and say, you know what? That's the kind of man that I want to marry because my dad's good to my mom. He's leading us. He's guiding us. He's a leader in our family. Um, I want to I want to marry a man like that. And when. <laughs> He sits in front of a recruit and says that. I mean, can you imagine the 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 impact that that makes? These people go, okay, this guy, this guy's got it all together. This guy's a man of integrity. This guy's going to help take care of me. And that's that tipped me in the direction of naming this book "Be a Hero in Your Home." Oh, Buzz cool. Williams, and I do quote him in the book. Uh, uh, that that quote: "I want to be famous in my home." You know, I don't want to be famous to the world. I want to be famous in my home, right? And uh, that's a that was an impactful statement to me. Yeah, absolutely. So famous in your home earlier, you were talking about leading your family and being in charge. And I was thinking CEO of your home, hero of your home. Uh, We do set the course, we do design and our default, whatever that is, if we're not leading, if somebody's not leading, if you don't have vision where you're going, you're not going to reach, you know, the potential. You're not going to you're not going to go where you should go. You're not going to go where God wants you to go if you're just providing. Yeah. There's a lot of providers who are silent and sometimes that's just the way they want to be. But I think more times than not, they just don't even know how to articulate. You know, they're, 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 they're the strong silent type, right? I'm going to provide and I'm going to be quiet on a lot of other things. But we as men need to lead in so many different facets. We need to be physically present. We need to be emotionally present. We need to be spiritual leaders. We need to be financial leaders. Um, uh, that's the call to action for men is how can you be a leader in your home? And I mean, the, the start of the book that I won't uh, I won't ruin it for those who, uh, who go buy it, but I'll started with my proposal to my now wife and coming to the realization I just wasn't ready. And growing, growing up in a home with domestic violence and alcoholism and not having a model um, in, my, in my home to observe and to look at, I asked myself a question, what could my dad have done to be a better leader of our home? Drinking, he was ill. I think 
from the time I was born, he was probably an alcoholic. I never knew he passed 26 years ago. I'm at peace with it. Um, we had great conversations just before he passed, but I never really knew a healthy dad. So, um, but I'm at peace with that, but he couldn't have drank. I think he was a nice man when he wasn't drinking, when he was drinking, he wasn't a nice man. Um, but he could have not drank. He could have loved my mom. That would be a number one thing that I would, you know, I would have loved to have seen in my life is that he, he, he love and care and adore my mom. Um, but he could have, I mean, finances, uh, he and my mom filed for bankruptcy multiple times. Right. So we always had the financial and you, you, many of your listeners, we've, I think most of us have been through seasons of financial stress and it can be suffocating. Right. Um, he didn't know how to build a career. He didn't have friends. I mean, he had, he had no, nobody that he could talk to. Right. And I think it's our, our, uh, common friend, Jeff Kemp, who, uh, <laughs> the, uh, who runs his huddles and says 76% of men don't have a, a trusted and confident friend that they can tell anything and everything to. And that's pretty sad. Um, we all need to have a relief point and let folks know that we don't have it all figured out sometimes. And that we yes, need help. Yeah, absolutely. So, so the guy Jay's referencing, uh, Jeff's got some great books out there. He's coming out with a new one soon. He used to play quarterback in the NFL and his dad played quarterback in the NFL. They were starters. His dad ran for president. So <laughs> that guy also is looking to pour back into men as well. He's a really, really cool guy. So it's neat that you and I get to meet him in person as well. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the heart. And that's the intention is uh, with the book is just talk about those, those, those facets. So that's, that's where the, the optics come through is me thinking about what my dad could have done to be a, a better leader in the home. And those are the things I had a powerful desire to make a life hundred percent different than that in which I grew up. And, but I focused on each of those things, you know, how can I build, lead my family? How can I build a career? How can I run my finances? How can I build a friend group? How can I take care of my body? Uh, that's kind of the last two thirds of the book is kind of practical tips. And um, Dan, I know you've, you've got a peek at it a little bit. Um, and I say that in the beginning, jump around. If you're having, you know, struggles with one of those areas, mental health or finances or, you know, uh, you know, being a husband, father, pick the chapter that works for you. And then uh, the first third of the book is just really cathartic. It was cathartic to write. We're all messy. We all have a story. Uh, I think my story is not that bad anymore. I used to think it was catastrophic, like, oh, my gosh, look at what I grew up in. Um, now I've heard so many men's stories that are they're so difficult and I'm so tender toward those men. But the first third of the book is just saying, hey, you're not alone you're worthy. Life's a battle. It's okay. It's okay to battle through that. So um, that's, that's the first third of the book. So I wasn't planning on talking about this, but we, um, you and I, and some other guys got together for a kind of a Christian dad convention, if you will, a bunch of authors, blog posts, uh, movie directors, like a really, really cool who's who of people uh, helping out Christian dads. Uh, ben Roethlisberger was there, which was awesome. And at the end of the conference, there was a guy that stood up and they said, you know, tell us takeaways or how we can do better or whatever. And the guy goes, I've been here for three days and I really didn't know why I was here. I understand I'm in this space and I'm helping, helping dads and I coach people and stuff, but I was looking for that little God moment where God hits me and tells me something or how I should live my life differently. And he goes, and I didn't really 
get that for this whole time. And it really bugged me, but it's occurring to me that being around guys like this, that there's a whole lot of guys who also had a rough upbringing and their fathers weren't the greatest and that my story isn't the all-time worst childhood and that there's others like me. I don't know if you remember that moment, Jay. I do. I do. You know, and I, um, like I said, I'm very faithful and I've been in men's groups for 25, 30 years plus. And, um, you know, a lot of these uh, conversations, and that's why I felt compelled to, to write the book is, um, you know, getting our heart right for our faith is, is very, very important. Being open to God's plan, Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope in a future. That is such a foundational thing for me, Dan. I think about that all the time, but then I have this, and so what? <laughs> what, what do I do? I love that. I love that verse. It 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 strengthens me every day. But then, what okay, I love now, about that verse is that's awesome that God has those feelings for me, right? And then, hey, I'm a father too, right? And yeah. how can I help my kids prosper and have hope for the future? And there's a little stewardship there thing too. If now you as a father, you're trying to steward your 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 wife and your children along that path as well. Like, how can I help them get from point A to point B, right? Because thinking about God is awesome. It's always a peaceful time. It's meditative. Uh, but then we come back into the real world. Uh, and, and you know, we try to abide in, 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 in Christ and stay connected to him as much as we can. We try to practice that. But we, we, we also need some direction about which action to take. I've had some... Uh, friends of faith who who think I mean, chapter five, I talk about my faith openly. Uh, I'll talk about it unashamedly. I talk about what I believe and why I believe it as a Christian. It's just really my testimony in a chapter. I think it's a very easy read. Uh, I try to keep my faith pretty simple. But a lot of people say, Jay, you should you should lead with that. You know, if, if faith is indeed your number one priority, why isn't that chapter one? And Dan, what I found is there's so much woundedness out there. I, I want to listen to some folks first. I want to hear, tell me your story, right? I think if I go and say, Jesus saves, that's the answer. I believe that in my heart, but I I, I think God wants us to have relationship first with, with people and so that we can know them and understand them. And then I think there could be room for that message to take hold a little bit better. <laughs> that's funny that you mentioned, tell me your story. Uh, guys, go back and listen to the previous episode with Jay. It's one of the few that actually has a warning label on it. So go back into the uh, earlier ones, search up that one, and you can hear much more of Jay's story. And you can hear a what the warning label is about. It gets extremely emotional. But we'll save that story because it's already recorded and you can go listen to it. Um, but with that, like tell me your story. That helps with the uh, connection. And I was reading that in your book. I feel connection is super, super important. It's tough to lead with faith first uh, when you meet somebody and don't have that relationship first with them and kind of can feel like finger pointing. People can feel like you're telling them what to do, where instead they want to get to know you and you want to get to know them. And once you're in sync and connected, different conversations happen. People are more open for conversations and drop their guard uh, you talk about vulnerability later on, but I know connection is super, super important. At least the way I read your book, 
I took that was a big bold face takeaway. I start every chapter with how Jay screwed up. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Yes, you do. And I do that very intentionally because I think it's important for that connection. I mean, it's authenticity, it's vulnerability. And I think men, the more we can demonstrate that and just give permission to men that it's okay, because we're so not trained for that in, in real life. We're trained to bury things and just to rub dirt on it and to keep going. Um, I mean, I tell I tell the guys, so I did a, I was fortunate. I did a wonderful program for a group of uh, senior athletes down at the United States Air Force Academy, group of 10 guys. And so around this book, I put together a program called Game Plan for Life that, that kind of a lot of the elements of the book just come to life. And we have conversations in a small group setting. It's a three-year program. We do about eight hours of teaching. And then we're I'm going to keep the group together for three years. And we're going to do regularly scheduled check-ins. The reason for that is just to let them give them that space to say, yeah, things are either going good. It's either the thumbs up or thumbs down. Things are good or, you know, I'm struggling. And men need a little, I, in my opinion, need a little, uh, you know, permission to say, it's okay to say things, even, even say things are going good, right? Say things are going bad. And that that's, it goes back to the Ascent group. That's what we got a lot in the Ascent group is there's a lot of authenticity and vulnerability there. Uh, that is that is so that's all I'm trying to do is model that with uh, with with the book and with groups of men, because um, I think it's OK. And I think that does help build the connection much more quickly. I grabbed a couple a uh, couple quotes out of your book. <clears throat> I don't know necessarily their quotes, but sentences that were in the book and uh, vulnerability. I'm like, man, I'm so glad that you put that in there. Uh, one of them is the definition of vulnerability is uncertainty, risk and emotional exposure. Therefore, if courage equals vulnerability and vulnerability equals connection, then courage equals connection. I thought that was a really cool. I, I think we can all put ourselves in those shoes when you're about to say something to somebody and you're, you're like, it even happens with our marital relationships, right, Dan? Sometimes I go to my wife and I'm like, I'm struggling with something, right? And that's vulnerability within your, within your four walls, within your home. And you got to say, I don't have this figured out. So I think it's super valuable to have it, uh, you know, man to man in 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 either one on one or in group settings. Um, one of the most powerful retreats I ever went to, and I've only been to a couple of retreats. It's not like I go every weekend, but they've been very powerful. One of them was you start off in a group and you say, the thing I would least like you to know about me is blank. That That gets you in the gut. And then when you have 20 guys all sharing that right out of the gate, everybody's raw, everybody's emotional, everybody's exposed. And um, it was it was a very unique and compelling experience for me. So another definition that I heard that I like about vulnerability is willing to expose yourself to emotional or physical harm. Yeah, yeah. On the, you know, it happens on the positive side too. When you, you know, first time I told my wife that I loved her, right? You're like, oh my gosh, that's a scary moment. Are you going to say it back? Right. Um, you know, so, and it can happen, you know, with uncertainty, but uh, the best part is I also found, I find when I am vulnerable and I, and I do articulate my thoughts about areas where I'm concerned or fearful or angry or whatever, I feel an amazing sense of relief. In my experience, 99.9% of the time I get a me too, you know, okay, yeah, oh, that's, I've, I've been there, you know, 
and that opens up. That's where the connection opens up because you say, man, I, I'm really struggling here. And they go, you know what? I'm glad you said that because I'm struggling with that too. And most of the time, guys, I think we're goofy because it's really hard for us many times to articulate our thoughts and our feelings. It, it brings it to the surface for them. And they're for the first time able to articulate a concern that they've had. They're like, man, something's been bugging me. I just didn't know what it was. That really helped me out. Yes. Yeah. Just talking through stuff that's bugging. Sometimes you can't figure it out, but just verbalizing it with another person actively listening, it helps you process and get through it and like, okay, got it. You know, I've so, had guys say, Jay, why do you always, you know, it's not like I'm sitting a guy down at breakfast and say, tell me about your feelings. No, it never works like that. That never works. It doesn't work with my boys. It never will. Um, but the, the reason I'm so passionate about that, and I tell this story, I'll, t- I'll tell this story here. It's about the last night my father lived in our home and he was being trying to attack my mom. He was drunk. Um, my brother stepped in uh, just by chance. He had walked in the door. He was he was out um, coming home from uh, he had a late night like wrestling practice and he came home and he saw this. So he intervenes and he tackles my dad on the on the floor, pins him down. The, the police are called. Um, you know, my mom's locked in the bathroom. You know, there's policemen coming in asking me and my siblings if we're okay. There's neighbors. We get shoveled off to a, a safe place for the for the night, and uh, we come home the next morning. Dan, we never talked about that that day again. Mm. Mm. <laughs> I mean, and the 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 that's why I'm so passionate about connection and being able to articulate that 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 you're you know, something's bugging you because if that's, that was buried in me, I wasn't able to verbalize that. And I didn't really hide it, but I couldn't verbalize. I couldn't articulate until I was in my early forties. And so that's buried in me for 30 some years. That's just not, that's just toxic. That's not good. Right. Um, So I put that away as shame. Hey, my family's damaged. We're different. Yeah. We're not worthy. You know, all these little words that the, the stories we tell ourselves, the, the, the words that we and again, use. Am I sitting there all day, every day, thinking that? No. Yes. Yes, actually. Well, but it's it's, in just, the, it's, it's kind of subliminal, right? Yes. And, you know, I've got this jet fuel that's trying to make my life different than it was when I was a kid. So that's what the world sees. But yeah, deep in your mind and in your soul, those stories keep getting told over and over and over again until you just until you can articulate them. And then you, when you give voice to it. And you find a great sense of relief. So, like all those things you were just saying, how true were they? They weren't. I was more, you know, I was I'm a normal dude, right? We all got battles. Yeah. All yeah. Got and yeah, you, you had to unwrap that. You had to change the words. You had to tell the change the story that you were telling yourself to release you. Yeah. From where you were. So that's exactly why I wrote it. Is just to just to serve as a model. Nobody should really care about Jay's story, in all honesty. I serve I serve up those stories as a way for the the reader and all this stuff, by the way, would be perfectly applicable to women, but I have a heart toward men and I think men are in greater danger and they're not as natural at connecting with others. That's why uh, the, the subtitle is the ultimate playbook for men to succeed at home, work and life. Um, I, I just, I think we serve as a model so you can put words to your own story. That That's the point of my stories. Yeah, absolutely. So I'll jump back real quick. So at that conference we were at and the guy shares a story, the person who is running the conference literally stops the conference when he hears this testimony mm-hmm. 
and brings all these guys and bites, you know, the whole crowd of guys, like whoever wants to come over, we're going to go pray over this guy. That was powerful. We all wrapped our arms around him and, you know, they led a, led a prayer and gave him a blessing and like, holy cow. He, he said after that, his life was changed forever. There's a number one example of vulnerability, authenticity equals connection. Everybody responded to that in that room uh-huh. and surrounded that guy with love and you're not alone. And me too. I've seen it. There's hope. Uh, that was, that was powerful. And what I loved was that the guy running this show stopped the show. Mm-hmm. Hey, we're on a time limit, except for we're not like we are, we're going to alter what we're doing because we need to, we need to pray for this man. So I'm not going to ask your permission, but this is <laughs> this is where we're going with this. I'm like, dude, that was great. So I love it when I see examples of guys being bold, being courageous, being vulnerable, and taking action as opposed to thinking, "Wow, I wish somebody would do something." Yeah, I mean that's that's really the call to action here. Is you know, and I and I told this to the to the cadets at the Air Force Academy, and I tell this to other men's groups that I'm mentoring. You know. You know, I look at the pie chart of our personality and how we act. I say, you know, 95% of the time, just keep doing what you're doing to your neighbor when you're in the grocery store to, you know, some uh, coworkers and customers, be that bold and confident you that's that's trying to prove to the world that you are enough and that you can be enough. But 5% of the time, you know, it's the old, um, was it Jim Rohn who said that you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with? Find those five people so that you can... For those moments, talk about, you know, the things that, that are really on your heart and the things that are deep in your psyche, right? So you can have those vulnerable moments. I don't expect you to get up into an auditorium and do what I did at that thing where I announced, first time I meet these guys, the thing I'd least like you to know about me is blank. That's not that. I mean, that was a, that was a well orchestrated, well-supported. There's a lot of support. I think the the ratio of staff to attendees at that conference I'm discussing was like three to one staff. Okay, They wow. knew that they needed to be there to support. You can't just do that on a high wire. That's not, but you know, if you've, you, you've probably got friends that you've, you've had breakfast with or coffees with, or you do, you know, maybe your uh, youth sports parents together. Um, Find those, find those relationships and be a little bit intentional with them and say, you know, hey, how you doing? You know, I'm a little bit worried. My 401k doesn't look like it, like, like I think it should at my age, right? That's kind of an easy one. Can we talk about that? What are you doing, right? You know, <laughs> how do you feel about that? You know, find some things that you can uh, begin to ease into it and, um, and have more real life conversations instead of just, I had a group of men that was around for a decade. They're, they're, they're my dearest friends. Um, for 10 years, we were close. We were doing men's groups, Bible studies. Our kids were doing youth sports together, kids going to school together, all that. And it's not like we were fake, Dan, but we weren't 100% authentic. I think we just kind of thought, hey, everybody else is pretty successful. You know, their life's pretty good. We didn't drill down, um, you know, an inch or two deep uh, when we easily could. Now we do. Now now it's everything's on the table, right? They're the, they're the 2 a.m. friends, right? That uh, if something's wrong, you mm-hmm. can call. But after a decade, again, we weren't being fake, but we weren't being authentic, if that makes any sense. Yeah, absolutely. So earlier we we're talking books. One of the new books that I think will stand the test of time is a book called Atomic Habits. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. In, you, in your book, you talk about systems, 
uh, things that you do often. Uh, I don't know if you use the word habits in there, but you know, you're, you talk about the consistency of life. Do the things that you do consistently are the things that are going to get you the results. It's not the one-off great thing that you did for the most right. part. You might have the bold and courageous moment where you step up and ask for a promotion or something, but in general, it's the person you become by the consistent actions that you take and having a vision and going that direction uh, is a big, big thing. Um, so consistency, what are some like, I know like learning was on learning, action, accountability, and connection are four of your elements of success. Right. And any of those you want to expand on? Um I mean, I'm a, I'm a continuous learner and now, you know, my heart, why, why I'm a continuous learner, because I had that intentional moment hearing that Lou Holtz quote, um, that I had to, I had to go out and I had to, I had, I had to grab that. I had to go attack that. Um, so learning's always there. I think, uh, you know, one of the bigger ones for me and it, and it sounds, I think this is well known is, is just, I call it exercise, but just moving, just getting your body moving. you right. And just for mental well-being. Uh, if, if I don't have that right, I'm not right. Right. If I don't have, and that can make, that can look like a lot of things. When I was younger, I, I did a lot of half marathons. I did one marathon. I like to run because it was a time away from work. I could just listen to some music, get some endorphins, get a little lather on my body and sweat and, you know, change my body. I'm a big believer in changing your body chemistry naturally with exercise rather than, you know, um, you know, substances, whether they're uh, prescribed or unprescribed, you know, alcohol, even in that in that bucket. So do what you can just to get your body moving. That's just a core corner. And one thing I like in your book, when you talk about moving is you don't say run, you don't say, you say, what do you enjoy doing and do that? Yeah. If you like doing it, you don't need motivation. You just want to do it. You know, some people like golf. I mean, in golf, you're, you know, if you're walking a lot and doing all that stuff, it's a lot. I love my wife and I are, love playing pickleball now. I mean, that is just we just have a ton of fun, right? Um, I've got to dial my my boys down because they're like ultra competitive. I like, do you want to have fun in a game with your mom or do you want to crush her and dominate <laughs> the pickleball game? Let's just talk about what our desired outcome is, right? I, I forgot and, in your intro. <laughs> you struck your kid out four times. And coach pitch. And coach pitch. So he's the coach flipping underhand. And now he's the uh the highest performing athlete of them all. It's like you just were underdeveloped at that time. That was your fault. Not That's mine. so funny. In the intro of your book, the uh the testimonials and stuff, you allowed your family members to to write a little something. And that's what he wrote in there. And then later on you wrote, You love taking their money. At, uh, beating them at golf. Oh, that was, uh, and yeah, I do golf for connection. Um, but yeah, that was intentional having them write the endorsements for the book. I thought, you know, I could go and I'm not famous. Let's be honest. Um, at least not yet. Well, um, whatever happens is going to happen, but I thought I could go get an endorsement from somebody, but if this book is about being a hero in your home and again, back to the Buzz Williams, be famous in your home. I thought who better than my own family. So I've got endorsements from my wife and each of my three boys to start it off because they, they're they the they're the judge. And um, back, to, back to football coaching, I don't know if you know the story about Bill McCartney. Uh, he was the football coach at University of Colorado oh, when I was the yeah. student there. And then uh, he, he left football a couple of uh, years later 
And did it? Did we ever talk about why he left college coaching? Did we talk I forget, about that? I forget why. You you have told me the story, and I forget. And I can't remember. It's in the last podcast, but it's very impactful to me. He went and uh, he went to a sermon, and uh, he's a very faithful guy. I went to had they had a guest uh, guest pastor or guest preacher that day, and he went in, and the the guy says, "Hey, do you want to know? I'll tell you how you can judge if you're successful in life. You know, it's not by your your title." of your job. It's not by your car. It's not by your home. It's not by, you know, all these, all these other things, you know, how much, uh, you know, how many triathlons you've run or whatever. He goes, if you want to see how successful you are, look in the eyes of your spouse. If you see joy and prosperity, you're a successful man. If you see pain and despair, you're missing the mark. Bill McCartney, they were ranked, I think, in the top three. This is, uh, I think, if I get it right, the year was 1994. It was the end of October. I think they were ranked number three in the country, powerhouse football program, rolling. He looked in the eyes of his wife and he saw pain and despair. Mm. And he resigned four weeks later. Oh, my god! And quit coaching. So, I mean, it goes back to the endorsements of the book. That's how we as men, I think, should judge ourselves and our success. Look, uh, look at the fruits of what you're, you're bringing to bear in your, in your, in your own home, right? Your children. I read what your wife wrote about you. And as I'm reading it, I'm thinking, oh yeah, she idolizes would be the wrong word, but she looks at Jay like the hero. I adore her. I look at her with such gratitude and, and, and I, she believed in me before I believed in myself. So that, uh, that puts wind in a man's sails when somebody believes in them. Oh my gosh, does it ever. And guys, I've said this on the podcast a bunch of times, but your belief in somebody else, so your belief in your wife, your belief in your kids, when you speak to the next thing that they can become and show them your confidence in them, they can borrow your confidence and step into that next level. They can step into their potential but you've got to be there to to support them and help them to it and be consistent with what you say. So when you waver, when you say, ah, you know, whatever, or don't take, don't take the, the opportunity when it's there, like put, put wind in your wife's sails, put wind in your kid's sails. They'll, they'll get so much from it. So when you love positive words and affirmation, so does your family. So does your family. I love you. I believe in you. I'm proud of you. I say oh, that. Absolutely. Thank as you, Blake Brewer. As, as I can. Yeah, I love love having a relationship with Blake Brewer Legacy Letter, like constantly reminds me of what you just said. So, oh, so you're talking fitness and stuff. What's the key to fitness, do you think? Or I guess a few keys. I don't I don't know. I mean, I well, I think nutrition, the older I get, the more nutrition is impactful. Um, getting higher quality food. I mean, that's just kind of the easy word that I put in my head, try to increase the quality of food that I'm taking into my body. It's not like I want to, I hate kale. I'm not going to eat kale. I'll just be dead honest with you. <laughs> but um, um, I fortunately like, you know, a lot of fruits and vegetables and try to try to increase that. So I think nutrition is a big foundation just uh, from that perspective. But yeah, just moving, whatever it is you you enjoy. Some people are team sport guys and they like being around a locker room and they like the camaraderie. They're still individuals, you know, individual uh, sport guys. I mean, sometimes golf can be individual. Sometimes it's, you know, swimming or running or things like that, where it's a little more quiet time where you're going and recharging in a different way. I mean, that's that's where the systems 
comes up, you know, find a good system for you, right? I can't say go lift weights or do yoga or do that. Or I mean, I do, I dabble in all those things and I'm no, um, you know, I just do it for joy. I, I try to do fitness for joy with, with joy and for joy. And because I think it again, changes my body chemistry and keeps me in a good, really good headspace. Yeah. The systems are huge. So for fitness these days, uh, I do go to the gym, but I do that one day a week. That's more of a solo thing. There's usually one other guy there that I know at the time that I go, that's it. You know, so I get to connect with him a little bit. However, three, four, five days a week, I do something called F3. Guys all mm-hmm. plan to show up at the same time at the same place and do whatever it is that the leader that day decides we're going to do. So today we got out and ran uh, about two and a half miles. And then after that, we did some other silly stuff and we all had a blast, had fun and built some connection. So no, you're like me. It sounds like you're a bit of a variety guy. I'd call myself a variety guy. I have a, I have a friend who goes to the gym, does the same thing, you know, um, three, four days a week and happy as a clam, you know, that, that serves him well. And I have absolutely no judgment about that. One of the guys that we're running with is a six minute, a mile guy (laughs) for a marathon. Like he can just keep going. And so recently I've talked to him and said, Hey man, you're really good at this running thing. And would you pace me on a two mile run? I'd like to set like a a recent record. I want to beat my childhood, but I want to beat my recent record. And I think I need you to pace me. If you just run at the pace that I want to get to, I don't think I'll quit. Love it. You have intentionality, uh, vulnerability and uh, accountability right there. Yeah. He's like, what is it about (laughs) this? And why do you want to do this? And I'm like, well, I did pretty good the last time I had a pacer, but he didn't make it three laps. So I had trouble for the You beat beat your pacer? I beat my pacer. (laughs) (laughs) I couldn't find anybody that was a good runner at that particular time. And he was a heck of an athlete. And he's like, oh no, I'll be able to keep up with you. I I don't think you will. No, I will. (laughs) Two and a half laps. He fades. After the third lap, he was so far in the in the background, and not that I'm a fast runner, I'm not I'm not fast compared to the six minute mile guy. But I'm like, if you'd be willing, I'll do some training and I'll I'll get myself back to where I was a couple of years ago and surpass it. But I need your help. He's like, I'm in a hundred percent. Those guys are amazing. Those guys are amazing. I was always a plotter when I was young. I was fast, but I'm a I'm a plotter these days. Yeah, and that's totally cool too. Yeah. I've got a different guy who takes great pride in his slow, you know, distance. He's more of a distance guy, 10 minutes a mile. He's totally good with it. So to wrap up, have you got any um, additional words of advice or something? Maybe we haven't pulled out of your book that you'd like to share with the audience. No, I think we've covered it all, Dan. Again, my, my encouragement is uh, connection. And then, um, you know, find it's, it's, a, who was it? Zig Ziglar. There's, there's been a lot of life coaches in the past that have, uh, um, you know, performance wheel, or you look at the the different elements of your life, spiritual, mm-hmm. financial, physical, relational, you know, take out of the chapters, just pick the one that, um, that maybe is a, a weak spot for you, or maybe where it's causing you some stress or fear or, or anxiety, and try to take action there. You and I, before we started recording, we're, we're talking about the, uh, the Ascent Group. You know, uh, uh, an inch of action is worth a mile of intention. So take one little step. I had one of the guys that uh, uh, from the course um, at the Air Force Academy who texted me yesterday. 
I'm getting on a plane. I'm flying home. And he says, he says, Jay, and he's getting his finances set up. He's about to graduate. He's, he's starting savings. He's figuring out how to easily invest in low cost, you know, target date funds. And he goes, Jay, I took this action, this action, this, he goes, I'm pumped. I feel confident. I just took some action. Again, wasn't any of that Jay's original idea? No, it was Jay pointing them and encouraging them to take action with some accountability. Um, so yeah, find something, some area that's causing you some concern. And man, that's going to take, that's going to take a little intentionality just to sit by, maybe, maybe you got a pen in hand, maybe it's journaling, maybe you're just sitting, scanning your body, you know, take 10 minutes and say, what, what's on my heart? What's, what's, what's in my mind? What, what's that tape that keeps playing subtly, but I'm drowning it out because I'm watching sports or I'm, I'm busy with work or I've got, I've got kids activities. Just kind of find that quiet time, find something that you think, man, if I could make an improvement there. And that's what we did with the, the ascent. I say, I I feel like a commercial for that. And I'm not, I don't mean to be, but you found something you're like, this is an area where I want to take some action and, you know, search, uh, search the chapters. Um, so yeah, I'd recommend reading the book. It's uh, 180 pages, Dan. I think you said everybody's telling oh, me. Oh gosh. Yeah. It was, it went, Jay, I, I was like, man, I got to read this in a, in short fashion and I'm a little intimidated by it. And then I got into it. I'm like, oh my gosh, this thing's a, like fly right through it. Grab tons of good stuff. There's questions sprinkled throughout. So if you wanted to use it as like a refresher for life, you can go back, grab some good questions, answer them for yourself. And then yeah. it's got some simple details, simple little sentences to consider as you're going along the way. Like it's an, it's a nice little reference book when you want to check on your, your life in the different areas that are important. So when I was writing it, I was thinking of my 26 year old self getting ready to propose to my wife and how unprepared I felt. But then I also, by chance, had a 25, 26 year old son. So I'm writing it to him. So that's, and now I'm delivering these courses as well uh, to 24, 25 year old men. So that's kind of uh, who I was writing it to. But what I'm finding is I have a number of folks who've who've read it and it's a father son. Maybe the father's in the mid forties and the son is, you know, we'll just say 15, 16. They're probably not able to grasp the concept of, you know, I'm I'm going to financially provide for my family. They're not quite there yet, but they're watching the modeling that they're getting and just having conversations about it. What I'm finding is actually more cathartic for the um, for the dad who's in their, you know, their 40s, relaying their story back to their son mm. and then creating a powerful movement mm. for the both of them. So but the avatar, the person I was really writing it to is kind of mid 20s, few bumps and bruises. Life's a little harder than I thought it would be. I'm not exactly sure how to take the next step, but um, seeing a lot of joy from uh, father-son combos, uh, reading it together. Yeah, that mid-20s, early 30s, that's where life tends to go all the way off the rails. Like <laughs> When you, you're when off you by understand just... that you're expecting your first child, Dan, I don't know what it's like for you. I went from zero to 60, like, we're having a child, I'm super happy, but then, oh my gosh, how am I going to get this kid through college? That's going to be expensive. What am I going to do? Oh yeah. Yeah. My, my first child, I quit my salary commission, you know, decent income job and started an insurance practice. So I made no money. I did the same thing with my (laughs) second child. 
I quit my comfortable job and I took a, uh, yeah, I got to go earn it every day. And that was one of those things where when you're, you, you hit up your wise counselors around you, my neighbor was a older guy. He'd built some businesses, done some things. And I said, Hey man, here's what I'm considering doing. He goes, well, while you've got a newborn, you can work your butt off because that newborn's not going to remember the first couple of years of her life. So if you just want to get after it and not be encumbered by anything and also not feel guilty, if you're ever going to do this in life, now's the time to do it. If you wait five years, you won't do it. That's, and all careers take a pivot at that point too, right? We're all figuring out our way along our career path, trying different things. And that's one of the things I feel a lot of pressure for 20-somethings today. They feel like they've got to have their career path. I need to know what I want to do, and I'm going to do that, right? I'm going to be a professor. I'm going to be a pilot. I'm going to be an accountant. You and I know now with the wisdom that we have that you kind of feel your way through. Oh, you know, I do like this element of the job and I don't like that element. I'm going to go find something that's a better fit, right? It's just the way careers develop. Awesome. Well, it's been so great having you. So two things to finish this off. One, tell people where they can find books, website, products that you have. And then you already know what the next question is, is can you come up with a challenge for the men to execute week to week, something maybe simple or maybe difficult, but something they can do within a week's time that they can take action on. Your book is all about taking action and doing things. So right. very interested. Uh, you to can see find what you me. I'm, uh, you know, the book is on Amazon now. Be a hero in your home. Uh, Jay Millar is the author. There's actually another uh, author, Jay Millar, who writes about ghosts, but uh, he's been around for a long time. But if you type in be a hero in your home, it'll pop right up on Amazon. I also have be a hero in your home.com where you can go find more information. And my challenge to men is um, find an intentional relationship. I think once a week is easy and it can be over. You can make it very malleable. You can be at a, a youth sports event uh, where your kids are warming up. You can just pull somebody aside and just, just, just talk to them. Just the easy thing is ask them, tell me, you know, tell me about Tell me about growing up. You know, what that look like, right? That's an easy one. And then you can sprinkle in some of your, your own story as well. So have a conversation. It could be intentional over a cup of coffee. Hey, I want to want to meet you at uh, Starbucks, Caribou Coffee, your local coffee shop. Support those uh, small businesses as well. So I just want to get together and talk. Have a meal. You can have a beer, guys, if you want. You know, go grab a beer and uh, take them to a ball game. Go take them to a Cardinals game. You know, say, hey, just grab a ticket. Let's go. Uh, let's go have a good time. Intentionally build a relationship. It'll serve you well, and uh, you'll fully understand that you are not alone. Oh, that's fantastic. I love the challenge. I love the question. It's a question I people say. What are your favorite questions asked people? And I'm like, I'm like, tell me your story. That's my favorite question. It just opens up so many because it opens up so many so many avenues of of relationship right there. Yeah, there's a uh, F3 guy. He was the founder. Uh, his nickname's Dread, and he's on the podcast. And I said, "Hey, Dread, tell me your story." And he's like, "Well, there's three different ones. There's the two minute version, which is this. There's the five minute version, which is this. And then there's the extended one. You know, where you're at the ball game having a beer. You know, whatever it is. But it was so funny how he's similar to you, engineer, got a formula, work to figure out the simple things that work." And then like you also put it in a book and put a plan together so that other people can look at and just execute. So I often look to guys like yourself who are very detailed and researched and figured things out. Matter of fact, I asked a guy about an F-150 truck today and there he goes, go. oh man, 
since I re- recently did this, I've got all my notes that I can transfer to you. All my research. All my- <laughs> and he's got a Google Doc. Love I'm it. like, oh yeah, I hit a home run. This was what I thought I was going to get, but even more. Yeah, he's got the Google Doc that compares all the different models of possibilities of all the different trucks in the world versus SUVs and miles for and all the stuff. So uh, it's great that there's guys like that that'll do all that and distill it down for me so I can get the two minute version yeah. and go a little yep. faster. That's it. Accelerate. Yep. And that's, that's what your book's all about. And the design for it is if, if you want to be a great dad, great husband, great leader, great hero in your home, be famous in your own home. Read Jay's book. He's got some great practical advice in there, some wonderful questions in there to get you to think and discover. If you think uh, being the provider or being a good husband is what you want to be labeled, think through that. What does that mean? I challenge you on the good husband. I got such a good husband. What does that mean? What does that really mean? What does your wife really want? Figure that out. Figure out a way to love your wife well every day. Love it. Ah, all right, Jay. Thanks so much for coming on. I appreciate you being back for a second time. Appreciate you finishing the book. That's Thank you. You, Dan. you you are excused for missing the ascent 2023. You passed the test, and we'll see you in the ascent 2024. Thanks for having me. I'll be uh, I'll be there in January. You bet, you bet. Well, thanks guys for listening. And as always, feel free, write a review. I'd love your review. We'll read it on an upcoming show. Share this episode with your friends and buy Jay's book, Be a Hero in Your Home. Catch you guys later. See you next week. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Journey of a Christian Dad podcast. Thank you guys for being a light. Shine that light out and let others see it. With you guys, part of this community, it helps me be accountable to you guys. It helps me be accountable to myself, be accountable to God and Jesus. I hope you appreciated this episode and picked up some great things. I hope you like the challenge and hope you can execute on that challenge this week. I ask of you, please subscribe, share the show with others. Join us inside of the Journey of a Christian Dad on Facebook, inside our private community. Share that community with others. Have your buddies join. Have other dads that are looking to grow in their faith, grow as spiritual leaders of their family. As we engage in our journey and be intentional with it, we can help others grow theirs as well. We thank you again for listening. We thank you for all your reviews. Look forward to reading a review of yours on a future show. So, dear God, Thanks for blessing all of us, and thanks for drawing us closer to you. In your name we pray. Amen. Have fun, guys.